0: started thinking about why youth camp is so good you know I I've been watching and I don't know if if you've been doing it but if if you're one of my friends on Facebook we posted to where you could watch the worship services with our students from your home and and it's good listen believe me our buddy Micah Tyler that's been on our stage a few times is leading worship with our students First night, uh, our executive uh, guy over our student evangelism got up to preach, and he brought the house down. Students are getting saved left and right. Last night, uh, the speaker um, out of San Antonio was speaking as a college guy in that area. He spoke, and tons of students walked the aisle as well. God is moving at youth camp, but you know what hit my heart? You can watch, but if you're there, it's different. It's just different being there, You know, we've made it a challenge with me and a few of my accountability brothers to read through the Bible. We hold each other accountable. We, we, we'll send a text and we'll kind of share where we are. And uh, they'll come and grab my Bible and look through it to see if I'm lying. Because I underline and I write notes so they know if I'm just skipping over, you know, books of the Bible. Because they're like, hey, you haven't, you haven't wrote anything in your Bible here. You're, you're messing up. And so all of that is great, and there's these huge moments in Scripture where God moves, and we get to read it, but we weren't there. And my prayer has been that God would move, and we would be there. That God would move in such a way in, in our lives together, in context of Quell Creek, in context of His church, that He would move, and that all of us would be affected by that movement. That we wouldn't just be bystanders. That we wouldn't read it online the next day. We would be in the story. I want to be a part of God's movement. I don't want to be a bystander. I want to experience what he's doing. So, man, I was watching it last night. I've been sending Facebook messages to the guys on the stage just saying, man, I've been watching. I'm for you guys, praying for you guys. And then sending me messages back. Man, you've got to be here. you got to see what God's doing. And so I'm going to go. Tonight I'm loading up, I'm going to go hang out at camp tonight, I'm going to worship with our students, I'm going to wake up the next morning, I'm going to worship with them in the a.m. Because I want our students to know something. I do not want our students to go to camp and on the drive back to leave it on the road. I want them to bring it back right into this worship service. And I want all of us to either catch the warmth and the glow of it or get out of the way. Because I want God to move. And I want God to move in me. And I want God to move in you. And the only way that's going to happen is this. We capture that he has a plan and we get in line with it. God has a plan that you and I would experience him catch fire and light the world. That's how this works. The problem is this. I, I, I don't even look around in worship. I, I have to sit up front for a reason. Here's why. If I move backwards... A few rows, I will not worship. I won't do it. You know, I'm going to do the whole worship service. Look around. I'm going to look around and go, oh, they're not raising their hand in this song. They must not like it. Or, oh, they're singing loud to this song. They know that one. Imagine that. They're going to sing to that one, but not that one. Here's what I'm doing on the front row. I only have one audience on the front row. It's not my family. It's not our great worship team. It's Jesus Christ himself. And when he says to me, the Southern Baptist kid that sat on his hands my whole life because I've been afraid. Raise your hand, Kyle. You know why I do it? It's not for your benefit because I could care less what you're looking at me or not. I have one audience and I want him to be welcomed. And so when I hear a song like, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. That moves my heart so deep that if I was sitting back there, I wouldn't pay attention. But up here, it drives me to tears. It makes me want to just jump. And for a Southern Baptist kid, that's a step away from dancing, and that's a no-no. So I just got to tell you, I believe we owe it to our students today to be here, to really be here today, to not just be a bystander today, to not just sit in a pew and tune out, but to be really here and to really be changed by Jesus so that when they come back, they see adults Who love Jesus. Who have already caught the fire that they brought back. Because the worst thing I can imagine, and believe me, I've grown up my whole life this way. As a preacher's kid, I would leave camp and come to church and I'd say the same thing to my dad every single year. Dad, why can't church look like camp? You know what my dad would say? you got to make too many changes to do that, Kyle. And our people won't tolerate it. Shame on us. Shame on us, because i got to tell you something. My Jesus who's at camp with my kids is the same Jesus that showed up in Amarillo, Texas this morning. He doesn't convince himself he has to stay at Glorietta. Listen, it's beautiful, but he shows up in Amarillo, Texas, and he wants to change us. The only problem is us. May God break our hearts in such a way that he would awaken us because he is already awake. When we sing those words, I am wide awake, let's not be liars this morning. Let's ask that the Lord would shake us to our very core and alert us and wake us up to one thought. He alone is God and he is enough and he desires to change us and send us today. I've got to tell you, while I, man, I'm ready to sit amongst our students and worship with them, My prayer would be this, that there would come a day at Quell Creek where our students would leave and go to camp and say, I can't wait to get back to Sunday at Quell Creek. That's where people show up. That's where the adults light up. The problem is this. Our students see who we are. Adults who have lost the fire. And they are going to come back with it. My prayer is this, that my heart will be ready to stand next to them. Don't you feel it yet? Don't you feel that desperation? Don't you feel that need? Our children have already gone to camp and come back and felt it. Now our students will go to camp and come back and feel it. But I declare over me and my family, we will have the fire when they come back. How about you? Will you have that fire? Will you seek God in such a way? Will you be here today enough that when they return, they're not having to catch us up? We're running with them. Let's run. Let's run, church. Let's quit holding back. Let's quit sitting on our hands. Let's become awake. Let's become alert. Let's catch some fire. Because there's a whole generation waiting for that, and they live across the street from us. Let's catch it now. Father God, before we even get into the text, may you break our hearts May you burden us to our core with the fact that we have moved and we have worshiped without you. That we're perfectly okay listening to a song but not lifting our voice to you. That we're perfectly okay saying words that our hearts don't mean. God, may we be ashamed with the thought that we would encounter a holy God and not care if he's even there or not. May we be ashamed of the fact that we come to worship and not even experience the Holy Spirit at all. God, may you move and break and change the future of your church here at Quail Creek now. Lord, we don't want to wait any longer for revival. We want to experience you now. God, may you change and break us. God, may you mold us into who you've always called us to be. God, may we be a church that's alive. God, let's not rely on moments like youth camp to be catalytic moments for our children any longer. May it happen here, God. May you move your adults in this room today in such a way that the power of the Holy Spirit can't help but move. God, break us. God, mold us. God, move in this place. God, we don't want to move without you. Lord, we just want to experience what you had to say to us today. God, move us. God, we've done it too long. We've just played the game too long. And God, I believe that today you're tired of us playing the game. You want us to worship. You want us broken, God. You want us to seek your face, God. You want to change our lives, God. But God, in order to do that, you're going to have to break us, God. Because we're holding on to the idol of us too tightly, Lord. And Lord, we want to hold on to you. We want to be changed by you. We want to be led by you, God. Because, God, we want to be a generation that rises up and declares that you are who you say you are, Lord. Lord, may you start the revival now. Let it start now, God. Let it start with us. How will you do me a favor? We just come up and play for a little bit? I'm just going to call you. uh, Listen, I think this sermon I've got is good. I really do. But I want to be out of God's way this morning. So I'm just going to invite you to be in a season of prayer. I invite you to the altar. I believe it's where we need to be this morning. Maybe it's that you would, right where you are, just begin to pray and seek God's face and ask for the brokenness that comes with revival. I'm just convinced of this. I'm not gonna wait for my daughter to get home from youth camp and experience the church that she left. I want her to come back to a place on fire. And I want it to start with me. So why don't you come? How's gonna play? You just come right now. Come to the altar. Come kneel. If you can't kneel at an altar, you can sit on a front pew. But you come, let's, let's fill this place with prayer. Let's seek God's face together. Let's come broken. Let's not leave this place without experiencing what God has to say this morning to us. You come right now. God, we, we want to experience you more than we want to be anything else. Lord, we don't want to be a room full of good women, men, boys, and girls. We want to be yours changed by you, led by you. We want to give you the full lordship that you're due over our lives. God, revival is founded in people who are connected to you. So God, move. God, take the throne that you're due this morning in this place. May we never be the same again, Lord. Send revival. Send renewal. Lord, send repentance. Send brokenness. God, send your very nature, God, because where you are, that's where we want to be, Lord. God, we want to experience you. So praise you, God, for what you will always wanted to do in us. Thank you that you're finally going to unleash it praise you for that, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we've been in 2 Peter for a while. 2 Peter, thank you, Hal. 2 Peter chapter 1. We get this supplementing your faith, this adding to of your faith. And it's to sweetener to salt up to flavor fill your faith because i believe that we've experienced faith too little and so we're not experiencing the fullness of its greatness and because of that people aren't attracted to flavorless faith they just aren't nor are they attracted to a flavorless jesus When we make Jesus nothing more than a British guy with blue eyes on a movie program, they will not be attracted to that. But when they see Jesus as a neighbor who reaches out in times of need or loves them when they don't deserve love, that's where Jesus shows up. And that kind of Jesus shows up in Christians who love the Lord enough to let him have the Lordship that he's due. Are we doing that today? I know it's a struggle of mine, so I'm preaching to myself today. This 2 Peter chapter, I've wrestled to the ground. I want to experience Jesus fully. I don't want to just be a surface Jesus follower. I don't want to have the what would Jesus do bracelet and act like Satan. I don't want to do that. I want to pursue Jesus with all I've got because I want those moments where I'm squeezed for Jesus' juice to come out of me. I want you to experience Jesus through me. So the only way that's going to happen is not standing up at a pulpit and preaching it to you. It's in the moments where I'm not standing at the pulpit that you're going to see the real Jesus I serve. And so because that, I want to soak him up as much as I can. So this is what the passage says. For this very reason, make every effort. Or make every reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self control, self control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they'll keep you from becoming useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I I want you to capture something that we're going to end with next week, and it's the very last part of what I just read. They will keep you from becoming unfruitful and useless in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we will supplement our faith correctly, our knowledge will increase in Jesus. We will come to know him more. Listen, y'all may know my wife. I know her more. I spend more time with her than you do. So if you came up and we were on Jeopardy!, I'd better win that category. The problem is this, most Christians, if we're being honest, are far behind when it comes to the knowledge of Jesus, such that I really believe that most of us, if we went on Jeopardy and there was a Jesus category, we would lose. You know why? We're not spending time with him. We're not learning about him. We're not soaking him in. We're not showing him in our lives. This is what the world is looking for, not for the knowledge of Jesus, but the intimate knowledge of Jesus. They want to know that you know him. They know him. Believe me, somebody that doesn't follow Jesus knows Jesus. The problem is this. They've never seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him in my life. I've seen him in the faces of people that reach across and touch places like City Church. I've seen him in the faces of people coming to visit their spouses or kids at Hope Welcome Center. I've seen the faces of the men at Life Challenge. I've seen him on the faces of members of Quail Creek. I see him on the faces of the bed babies in our our nursery. And in our children that worshipped him during VBS. see him on the faces of our students at youth camp. see him on the faces of, of so many ministry fields in the life of our church. Does the world see it? Does the world even know that Jesus is real to us? So... We get these two thoughts that come out of this passage, that we are to supplement our faith with two things in in today's context, brotherly affection and love. So let's just identify what those are. Brotherly affection is this, a deep love and togetherness for those in the family of faith. This is brotherly affection. We get this as it's talked about in the context of the New Testament, that brotherly love is inside of a context of a faith family. That And we'll read about it here in a moment, that those inside of a faith family, we are to love and take care of one another. We're to meet each other's need, to be there for one another. We're a family. You know, I, I tell people all the time, they'll say, well, where do your family, where do y'all live? And I always tell them, I'm at least five and a half to six hours away from every family member in my family. But here's the thing. They're, they're my blood family. But my family lives in Amarillo, Texas. They show up every Sunday in this room. They show up on Wednesday nights all over this building. My family shows up, and you know what? It's a good family. Y'all have been a blessing to April and I for all these years, nine years. Y'all have loved on us and taken care of us. You've shook your head in moments that we've blown it, and you stood next to us and celebrated in the times that we didn't. Really, affection is that moment where you can know this. If you don't have a church home, you should plant your life here at Quell Creek. Amen. This is a good place to call a family. We love each other here. If you don't know what being a church member is, this is what it is. We believe to be a part of our family, you should know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you should understand what we believe and go, I can live that. If you can do those two things at Quell Creek, we want you to come be a part of our family. We believe that baptism is a part. We'd love to see you get baptized because we believe that's obedience. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, I need a place to call home. I need a family in Amarillo, Texas. If you're a transplant like me, you need a family in Amarillo, Texas, and it should be at Quell Creek. You should call this place home. It's a good place. It's a place to come in times of need and times of joy. It's a time that you show up broken and a time you come to serve the broken. This is a good place to come. You should come here. It's a good spot. We like it, and, and we want to invite you to it. It hurts me sometimes when someone will come through, and they'll say, I have a need. And, and we always ask them the same thing. Where's your family? Where's your church family? And oftentimes we hear the same story. You can ask Dale. You can ask Craig. You can ask Grant. We hear the same story time and time again. I have no contact with my family, and I don't have a church family. That's the most lonely thing on the planet I can think of. How out of biblical context could your life be if you don't have contact with your earthly blood family or a church family? You need people. We want to help you. We're going to help you in that if if you're here today and you don't have either of those two, I want to help you. Because I believe God has a better plan for your life than that. You need a church family. Because we have to exude brotherly affection. Here's the next one. Love. Love is and affection and care for any and all you come in contact with. Any and all you come in contact with. Love is a universal thing. Love is a thing that you give without a receipt. Love is a thing you give even if you don't like the person across from you. You know why? Because God loved you even when you are across the table from him and you weren't likable. I mean, let's just be honest. If we love like Jesus loved, we would look a whole lot different, wouldn't we? Because our love is conditional to preference our love is love if you believe like I do act like I do walk like I do talk like I do in all contexts if you're like me then I love you that's not how Jesus was Jesus loved us in spite of us looking anything like him he loved us while we were enemies and because of that he changes our love for people now we pour into people instead of point at people it allows us to love the world because we were loved by God. During the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell was the Lord Protector of England. There is a man that was sentenced for a crime that he committed, and he was sentenced to be shot at the bell uh, clapping of the end of the day. The time had come, they started the bell to be rung, and no sound came out. Oliver Cromwell sent troops up, and they looked, and up in the bell tower, inside of the bell was a woman hanging on to the clapper. Her hands bloodied, bruised. They brought her down to Oliver Cromwell, and he said, Speak, because this may be your last moment. He said, Sir, that man out there, I love him. And I know that if the bell rung, you would shoot him. And I would have died up there so that he wouldn't have died down here. Oliver Cromwell said, Then your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. The bell will not ring tonight. This is the nature of Jesus for you and I. Jesus could have taken his place in history, never touching the world. Let us not forget that Jesus completely emptied himself and came in the form of a certain, did not consider equality with God something to hold on to, to grasp. And he became obedient unto death, like a servant, even to death on a cross. He did so willingly so that you and I would not simply die, but that we might live. Bloodied, broken, bruised for us, so that we might have life and have it in abundance. Life in the full. Not life in the Walmart, but life in the Sam's Club. Full size. That's the kind of faith that God wants you to live. He wants you to be completely full. Listen, we must love, or we must start with a love for the faith family to get to love those outside of it. We have to start with love for each other. So here's the thing. All of scripture that we get from Paul is written to a church or a person in the church. And he's always trying to admonish them to love one another, to take care of one another, to help one another. And the reason is, is because if they don't get it there, they'll never share it outside. They just won't do it. You know why? There's no practice. This is the practice field. And it's a good one. You want to learn how to share your faith? Talk to someone in the church and say, I need to practice. Then do it. You know what's going to happen? You'll do it out there. That's how this works. You want to learn to be generous? Be generous in here with somebody. Find a brother or sister in need inside the faith family. Start there and then you'll learn to be generous out there to those that don't possess the love of Christ. And you'll show them Jesus. Yeah. This is the context by which God was trying to get across. If we can learn to love one another inside the faith family, then we can learn to love those outside of it. And we should be loving those outside of it. Yeah. That's what the church should be doing. No one comes to church just because there's an open door. They come to church because someone they know walks through it first. Will you be that person that walks through the door with them first? Will you show them Jesus? Because there's a church on every corner in Amarillo, y'all. There's some great churches all over town. I love them. In fact, I had lunch with two pastors in town this week just sitting across the table and loving on each other. Talking about what God's doing, encouraging one another. Man, my hope and prayer is this, that today those churches are twice as full as they were last Sunday. And that people are walking the aisle and receiving Christ. I pray that. You know why? Because Quail Creek isn't the only church that leads people to Jesus. We're just not. Our Jesus is bigger than that. And so my prayer is that today that's happening. You know what they're praying, by the way? Same thing, because we prayed across the table from one another. We're praying that God would move in our churches in such a way that Amarillo changes forever in the next year. Not the next 10 years, the next year. But this time next year, we're praying that the churches of Amarillo catch spiritual fire. And that it will happen in our churches and that we'll reach the next generation. We'll we'll reach all these people that need Jesus. I want to be a part of that, don't you? What if that's the vision of the church? What if we said this? This time next year, it won't be... Hines in the seats that will count. It'll be salvations that we're excited about. What if that's our prayer? God, we pray that you would move in such a way that we would see people walking in an aisle and receiving you as Savior more than we care about what's in the offering plate. That's a hard prayer, y'all. You know why? Because we like us an awful lot. And I pray this. That we would like Jesus more. I just pray that in my life that I would love Jesus more than I love me. You see, love is something that you can't hold on to. It's something you have to give away. It's not meant to be stored. It's meant to be spent. And here's how I know that. God loves you so much that He will keep pouring love into you. The problem is this. You have been loved so much that if you're not expensing your love into others, he'll have to pour into someone else's bank eventually. I want to be a guy that is expensing love in such a way that God goes, okay. Okay, Kyle, uh, back it down. He's never going to say it, though. You know what he's going to say? Bigger bank. Bigger bank for Kyle. That guy loves people. That's the kind of guy I want to pour into. That guy right there, I like that. That's what I meant when I say go love the world. That's it. We're drawn to those people. We're drawn to people that love people. How about this? Has anybody seen a picture of Mother Teresa? Anybody seen her before she went on to heaven? Anybody seen this woman? Not an attractive woman. She just wasn't. She didn't even speak English. Just small, crippled woman. You probably wouldn't like her. You saw her at Walmart, you'd walk right past her. That woman loved people. Loved them. That's what attracted us to her. Just loved people. There's this guy named Bob Goff. He wrote Love Does. um, And then everybody always, I I encourage you to read either of those books. He's the kind of guy that when he speaks, I could could listen to him with a soup spoon. And just, yep, keep talking Bob. Because he just exudes love he just has it in aces he's got it and that's what I want to be I want to be a kind of guy that shows it in this world so that when we move into the real world into a lost world I'm showing it there too everybody gets some love that's what our job is to be so here it is Romans uh, 12 9 through 10 says we should always be looking out how we might uh, love each other it says this love must be without hypocrisy Detest evil, cling to what is good, show faith affection to one another with brotherly love. And that says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Inside the context of the faith community, we should be loving each other. Anybody ever read a blog from a Christian author? You know what we tend to do in the Christian world? Hate each other. We will pick apart a speaker or a church that we just don't like their theology and we will Rip them to shreds. All along, Jesus is saying to us, you work on you. You work on you. Okay, I, I've got to say it because I think that you need to hear this. I was at a conference and one of the guys stood up and he was asking the guy at the front a question. And at the end of his question, he just said, let me just tell you my thoughts for a second. And you could hear the whole room go, oh, yeah. He goes, I detest preachers. Like Joel Olstein, and he just went on like a, a three minute rant about Joel Olstein. The speaker finally said, "Thank you for your thoughts." I would answer that, but I've got a guy in the room that I think could probably answer your thought better. And he looks to the back of the room and he waves a guy up, and this big guy shows up, uh, looks Hispanic, big beard, cut off jeans. You know, he walks up and grabs the mic, and he just starts to talk to us about what he does for a living. He's the outreach coordinator for Joel's church. He said, y'all don't know me because I don't stand in front of a camera. He said, but I'm the part of the church that y'all don't get to talk about. You see, I'm the guy that leads people to Jesus at our church. He said, I work the streets. I work our community events. And he said, last year we baptized 1,200 people. And he said, there's another eight or 900 that are still to be baptized, but Man, it's just hard to get that many people through a baptismal, y'all know what I'm saying? And no one said anything. He goes, oh, y'all don't have that problem, at your church. He goes, we do. He goes, you see, the whole time that y'all try and ridicule and take down our church, God's pouring into it. He goes, key story, y'all work out your faith community and leave ours alone. Hands the mic to the guy and walks out. And we're all going, And the guy goes, "Let's pray, because um, that's what you do in Christian world when you don't know what else to say. You just pray it." I sat there and went like this: I've been in that community that has ridiculed Joel Steen and other pastors before. You've been where with me? Let's just be confessional. It is not our job. Our job is to hold truth to the Word of God in the context we have, because there is so much that we need to work on at Quell Creek. Such that the longer we point fingers at other people, we're just destroying the kingdom. Let's worry about us. Let's work on us. Let's pray for us. Let's hold truth to the word of God and let's let the word of God do what it does. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would move in such a way that we would be out of the way of it. Do you feel it yet? We've lost something. We've lost the ability to love the way Jesus called us to. I was reading somewhere that all throughout Scripture, there's this two words, one another. I remember sometime back, Dale was doing a big study on that. And so if you like these, I think Dale probably still has that in his office. But there's 59 examples, and, and some authors say more, some say less. I'm going to say 59, one another's in Scripture in the Bible. It calls on us to take care of one another, love one another, be for, there for one another, Uh, You know, support one another, at some point in the life of the church, we're going to have to capture this. It really does matter who's sitting down the pew from you today. You should know their name. Next Sunday, if you sit in a different pew, you should know that person's name. And if you sit in the same pew and the same people sit next to you in your pew every Sunday, you need to know someone in another pew. Get up and get to know them. I had somebody ask me one Sunday, and then I, I promise you we'll wrap this up. They asked me this question, Pastor Kyle, why don't we do the greeter time every Sunday? And I said, listen, we we try and put things together in service structuring to make it cohesive. So some Sundays it it just fits perfect, sometimes it doesn't. They said, well, I don't get to meet anybody if we don't do that. I remember looking at them and going, what do you do before service? Well, you know, I, I grab coffee and then I shake three people's hand every Sunday and then I sit down and I wait. So what do you do after service? Well, I I throw my coffee cup away, and then I walk out the door. And I go, hey, capture this. People are around you during those times, right? Like as you walked into the worship service, you passed someone, and look around. There's people here. You got a moment. Go find them. Go tell them hello. Because I guarantee there's someone in this room today that needs you to shake their hand. That needs you to tell them you're glad that they were here. And that needs you to say, hey, next Sunday, why don't you come sit by me? I'd like to get to know you. Our world is loved by God. And he pours that love into us so that we might show it at some point. You've got that in you. The Lord loves you dearly. He loves you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you and I. It's just a great passage in 1 John. I'm not going to read it this morning. But it just kind of tells us about love. And it ends with this thought. We can love because God first loved us. If you ever need to read, it's 1 John 4, 7 through 19. But I want to encourage you today to not just get lost in this, this little time of talking. I want you to get lost on one thought. How much do you think that God loves you? Is it as much as your parents? Is it as much as your spouse? Your kids? How much does God love you? And I want you to think in context of if you think God loves you this much, remind yourself time and time again. I remember this as a kid at kids camp. God doesn't love you this much. He loved you this much. And so just remember that, that God willingly laid down his life because he loved you. You're that loved. It's a day you don't feel that love or you don't understand it. We have a time that we call the invitation. We're going to be down here in a minute. Our music team's going to come up and play a song. If you don't know that kind of love or if you want to know it, Why don't you come talk to one of us, guys? We believe that starts and ends with a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know our Jesus, we want you to know him today. And so today, you can put your faith in him. He can change your life. Let's experience love because we're about to open the doors here in a minute and leave. And we want to show it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray that you would just move in this place, God. Lord, we've already established, God, we want you to move and, and start revival. God, we pray that you continue that. And God, that we would experience the love you have for us. God, prepare us. Lord, prepare to send us out, God, to show love to all those around us. Lord, that's our prayer. We want to show love today because you loved us and you're a part of what we're doing. So God, move in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray.